good morning, church. I've just got to say, wow, isn't God good? What an incredible time of worship. Would you say thank you to the team that led us before the throne in musical worship? And I just need to tell you something. I need to tell you a couple things. Number one, it's not like this everywhere. I'm so thankful for Mission Hill Church. It is good to be home. My goodness. But secondly, many of you know that our worship pastor, Andrew, is in Liberia with Mary. They're picking up Wilfred, their son. And uh, so he's out for several weeks. Buck, who we love, has been leading us in an interim way. And yet about five this morning, he called me like this. Hello. <laughs> and so these guys stepped in. There were some other folks who were sick. Just say thank you to them again. What a great, great time of worship. I can't remember a time where our time in the Word has been more set up by the songs that we've sung than what we've just experienced today. Now, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Whether you're turning in your Bibles or turning on your device, I want you to follow along. This is going to be an impactful passage of Scripture. We're talking about breaking free from depression. And there are all kinds of things that can cause moments of depression in our lives. My friend Brent Porter was watching the first service. He texted me as my plane was landing on uh, one day this week. And he said, can you please call me? And so when our, our, our plane landed, I... I called him, and he had been to the doctor with some strange symptoms, and they had found a mass in his head. And on Friday of this week, he had brain surgery, and they took that mass out. But we're praying for the journey that lies ahead. And just a moment, I want to pray uh, for Brent. I know he covets our prayers, he and Jackie. And then I just texted uh, my buddy Andrew and said, I really feel led just to pray for you guys right now. And he said, well... We watched the first service, but we're tuning back in because we need the prayers. So before we do anything else, would you just let me lead us in a moment of prayer? So Father, in the name of Jesus, we just say thank you. This is the day that you've made. You are good. And we're grateful. We're glad. We rejoice. Regardless of what's going on in our little corner of the world, we rejoice because you are our God, and we get to come together and worship you. Lord, we thank you that we're joined by two other campuses. We're joined literally by people watching across the world. And most of all, God, we're joined by you. You are here with us. So, so our prayers are simple as far as our time. Lord, help us. Give us what we need that we don't have Teach us new things today. Make us different today. Lord, for that person that doesn't have a relationship with you, do something that only you, Holy Spirit, can do. Would you save someone for eternity today? Would you break free the chains that are holding people in depression today? And Lord, we recognize that there are some circumstances faced even in this room and by those that are watching that are hard 
So we continue to lift up my brother Brent. And God, I just ask you for healing in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that in the midst of your healing grace that you'd give supernatural peace. And that you'd give wisdom to those that are caring for him. Lord, I pray for Andrew and Mary and little Wilfred and Gibson who's here and just had a birthday. Lord, I know this has been a difficult week for them. But I thank you that you're not caught off guard by anything they're facing. So strengthen them today. Encourage them. And as they are sitting on that couch in Liberia, may they sense your presence. Now back here, Lord, we need you. So our desire is that you are praised in all that we do. Lord, our desire is that we lay bare before you, surrendered. Our desire, my desire, Lord, is that you speak through me. Let my words and my thoughts be pleasing to you, oh Lord. You are my strength. You have been for a lot of years. And you're my redeemer. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the midst of a mental health crisis in our world. In fact, you could say that the illness of depression is an epidemic form. And it's hitting all ages. In fact, the Atlantic Magazine recently said that the United States is experiencing extreme teenage mental health crisis. From 2009 to 2029, the share of 21, the share of American high school students who say they feel persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness rose from 26% to 44%, the highest level of teenage sadness ever recorded. In 2021, 48,183 Americans died by suicide makes suicide the 11th leading cause of death in our nation. Every day, 132 people die from suicide in our America. That's one suicide death every 10.9 minutes. It's the third leading cause of death among white males, ages 15 to 24. The highest suicide rates are among white males, followed by American Indians or Alaska Natives, and then followed by black males. There's one suicide death for every 25 suicide attempts. That means there's approximately 1,204,575 annual attempts in the U.S., or one attempt at suicide every 26.2 seconds. So before I go on, I want to say very clearly, if you're struggling with suicidal or self-harm thoughts, there is help. There is hope. You're going to hear again and again, there is hope in Jesus, but I recognize you may need a little more than that today. And there are people even in this room that can give you help, but I want you to have a resource that you can keep close at hand. And that is a, a national suicide crisis line. 
that you can call or text at any time just as easily as you would call or text 911, and it's 988. That's easy for you to remember. There's always, 24-7, someone ready to help. But the reality is there's a lot of us that haven't gotten to that point, but we have experienced what some have called the dark night of the soul. We've encountered depression in some manner. I know this because all you have to do is look at the top two prescribed medicines in our country. Do you know what they are? Antacids and antidepressants. We're eating and thinking wrong. And it's wreaking havoc in our lives. The things we're putting into our minds, the things we're putting into our bodies, it's really messing us up. I know what it's like to experience the dark night of the soul. I know what it's like to not really want to get out of bed. I know what it's like as a pastor to feel like I'm trying to do everything right and I'm not making a difference. I'm not having the impact I want. I know what it's like as a sinner. To feel like I've messed everything up. And there's no way forward. But I'm here to tell you today that I've experienced the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. I have family members, I have loved ones that have encountered this dark night of the soul. That have faced down this enemy of depression in some form. And yet have trusted Christ through this. So what do we do when we face it? Because I, I tell you that not to make it about me, but just to be a little vulnerable and to acknowledge this is probably something somewhere on the scale that you're going to deal with. So what do we do when we encounter this kind of despair? Well, we have to see it for what it is, and, and then we have to be ready to attack it. I just got back from Tanzania. I was there with a great organization I'm going to tell you more about in the coming weeks and months. It's called Compassion International. And, and we had some great opportunities just to, to see how God is working around the world. But I also got to experience something on my bucket list. I got to go to a safari. And so one night we stayed in a lodge in the Ngorogoro crater there in the northern part of Tanzania. And man, we saw it all. But something interesting happened. At night, we were instructed that we couldn't leave our rooms by ourselves. Now, I was rooming with my brother, and the reality is we got into trouble because we thought we're pretty tough, and, and we decided to go out by ourselves. And we saw running toward us a Maasai warrior carrying a spear exactly like this. And he said, what are you doing? You, you can't go out without us. And this was a pretty nice place. So I, I thought, all right, tell me the deal. Are, are you telling the truth? I mean, is there really danger or is this just part of the shtick? He said, no. You're in the Ngorogoro crater. There are all kinds of wildlife around us. And when the sun goes down, when it gets dark, they feel free to come out. And you need protection You've got to be prepared. I said, well, what's going to get us? And he said, well, an elephant. He said, or a baboon. He said, but most of all, we worry about hippos like this guy. 
That got my attention. Here's what I know. When it gets dark, our enemy comes out. And we have to be prepared. The good news is God's word gives us proper preparation. In fact, some of you are going to like, some of you are not going to like this proverb. You know, most of the proverbs were written by Solomon, who the Bible says, apart from Jesus, is the wisest man ever to walk the earth. This is what it says in Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Now, first, here's why some of you aren't going to like that. Because you're like, well, if you think just a good word's going to help me, you've never encountered what I've experienced. You, you've never seen real depression. And, and we're going to talk about the reality that I get what you're feeling there. But I want you to hear what it says. First, though, let me tell you that it, it talks about anxiety and it talks about depression. And these are two different things. Here's the good news. While depression really is, is caused by looking back or looking at your present circumstances, anxiety is caused by looking at what's ahead of you. Today, we're going to talk about depression. Next week, next Sunday, we're going to talk about breaking free from anxiety. So just hang in there. But what it says is when anxiety leads you to depression... There's a good word. And that's a good news I have for you. I really believe there's a good word. There's something that can help you. And it comes straight out of the word of God. I believe God's word has a good word for you. So let's look at Psalm 42. And I want you to understand as I read these verses, this is the word of God. Verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love at night, his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Praise the Lord for the reading of his perfect word. I've learned there are several causes of depression. I want to walk through those with you. First, you could call it a biological cause. 
or physiological, something that's actually a, a medical issue in your life. Some of you really understand this because you've, you're in the process of dealing with depression in your life and, and you've heard people say, just get over it or, or just pull yourself out of it. And you're thinking, I don't think I have the ability just to do that. And so when this is talked about, you, you hear doctors or medical personnel talk about serotonin. Many in, who studied mental health believe that depression is caused by a lack of serotonin in the brain. It's a neurotransmitter that regulates body functions like mood and sleep and digestion and immunity and, and sexual desire. And so what they're saying is when this is the kind of depression that you're experiencing, it's because these chemicals in your body have become imbalanced, and you may not get well uh, apart from a healing from God. You, you may not get well until those chemicals are balanced. That, that's hard for us to accept because we can't see those problems, right? You know, if your child breaks their arms, you're, you're not going to say, come on, be a big boy, just get over it. No, you, you want them to do what it takes to set that straight, but you can see it. If a doctor says you have cancer, you pray to God for healing, but, but you're going to do whatever you can to address that, to attack that. But you've seen that MRI or that PET scan, you, you can see it. You, you can't see what's going on in the mind. It's biological. And, and some of you, you may be experiencing that, and, and you may need that medical kind of care. And, and we want you to know that in this church, as we read God's Word, I, I don't believe that has to contradict the Word of God. There's also relational causes. You were created for relationship. So when you are healthy, you are in right relationship, vertically with God and horizontally with others. And when there are relationship issues, things are broken in your life. So when you walk through something like a divorce or betrayal, there's been a breakup in your life, or as a parent, when you're dealing with a prodigal, or as a child, you're dealing with a parent, and that can cause depression. Now, I'm thankful that sometimes, even when medical care is not needed, it's helpful to sit down with someone who's trained, preferably a Christian who's trained biblically to walk you through some intentional therapy to help you, and that may be something you need, biological, relational. There's also circumstantial causes. So this is what a lot of us experience. There's change in our life, and all of a sudden, we don't exactly know how to cope. That's why there's something called, you're going to recognize this, postpartum depression. It's a real thing, right? After a, a woman goes through this e extreme experience of childbirth, or um, that's why after an empty nest, there's often depression. A parent has given their life to raising their children, and that's where they found their value, and that's where they put all their attention, and often, sometimes they neglected even the most important things, and so that's taken away, and there's a huge loss. Or, or maybe it's another change in your circumstance, like job loss, or death in the family, or cancer. But then there's spiritual causes. 
And I want you to understand that just like when we talked about breaking free from addiction, you'll never really begin to battle this kind of discouragement that the psalmist talks about until you first determine whether or not there are spiritual causes at work. Because here's what we know. When we sin, it breaks our fellowship with God. And when our fellowship with God is broken, we don't feel good. You may think you do, you may get drunk, or you might get high, or you might have sex with someone, and you may think in the moment that things are great. Big deal, the Bible says that happens. It says there's pleasure in sin even for a season, but then we sink back down because we haven't met our need. What's missing is our fellowship with God. So I want you to understand, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. But I am a pastor and I study God's word. So what I'm going to deal with primarily are these spiritual causes. Because I think that's where you need to start. Regardless of what else is going on, that's where you need to start. You need to make sure there's not an unconfessed or undealt with sin problem in your life. Because until that's dealt with, until that's made right with God, you're going to be fighting against the one who created you. And that does not feel good. Remember, the Bible says we're in spiritual battle. We're in spiritual war. So this is not a simple issue. I'm not going to give you simplistic answers, but I do want to give you spiritual help because some of you need a spiritual reset. That's what we're going to talk about, a primarily spiritual context. The writer of this psalm was clearly depressed. Let me point it out to you. In verse 1, you see spiritual despair. Throughout it, you see spiritual despair. Where are you, God? Oh, I just, I can't even sense God's presence. Verse 2, you see one who's emotionally distraught. It's all over the place. In verses 3 and 4, you see that he's become socially distrusting. People are out to get me. Everybody's talking about me. They're making fun of me. By verse 10, he's physically discomforted. Verses 6 and 11, in fact, three times in this passage, he says he's totally downcast. Why? If you look at the heading above this passage of Scripture in your Bible there, it says this is written by the director of music. Or um, it says by the sons of Korah, these Levitical priests who would lead out in worship. And I find this interesting because anyone that loves music knows that music is often a way to bear our soul. Many great songs throughout history have been written because someone's trying to work through mental or emotional things that have taken place in their lives. So that's what scripture says. We don't know if this expresses the life and the feelings of one of them. Or if, as many scholars think, they're actually just expressing the sentiment of King David. King David? Why would King David be depressed? Well, there's a number of reasons. Part of his life, he was running from a crazy king named Saul. But did you know the Bible even describes a time where he was running from his son, Absalom, and hid in a cave? And I would just tell you, some of the deepest moments of darkness in our lives can come because we're dealing with family issues. 
and we find ourselves in the cave of depression. Regardless of who wrote it, we know this is an honest account of a discouraged person. And so I need to just remind you something. Some of the greatest people who've ever lived have openly dealt with depression. That's why it's a shame that in our society it's kind of become taboo. Some of the great people of Scripture dealt with depression. Let me give you some examples. Remember Elijah? I mean, he's one of the biggies. The Bible says that after he experienced one of the greatest victories, listen, in human history, he sat down beside a tree and said, Lord, just kill me. In fact, I've learned that for Christ followers, God-fearing people, often when you find somebody who loves Jesus, but you, you hear them just saying, I'm just ready to go to heaven. Often that's part of depression. Because we know it's, it's, it's going to be better there than it is here. We, we're tired of this. We want that. Let me give you another one. Jeremiah. He, he wrote some of the books in the Bible, right? He's a big deal. He wrote a whole book called Lamentations. It's a lament. The whole book is about how depressed he is. And then here's King David. What about Job? Um, Job had reason to be depressed, right? If you know his story. Listen to what he says. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, but only turmoil. Now just look at those words. That's a good definition of depression if you've experienced it. No peace, no quietness, no rest, just turmoil. But let's go back to David because I want you to know that David, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. That teaches us that depression has nothing to do with your godliness in the moment, right? While it can be resulting from sin, we've said that very clearly, you can also be walking with God and the enemy attacks you. Depression is not a respecter of person. Martin Luther, who changed the practice of our faith, Churches like us would not exist were it not for him. He went through a season of depression with his wife that was so severe that his, his wife had to remove all the knives from his house because she was afraid he would take his life. He wrote about that time. He said, for more than a week, I was close to the gates of death and hell. I trembled constantly. I could find no thoughts of Christ, only desperation and blasphemy of God. What calls that here in Psalm 42? Here's what I picked up on. Something changed. Remember how he said, oh, I remember. And then he says, I, I want to go back to the way it was. He experienced change, just like we talked about. You may experience those things like childbirth or emptiness or divorce or job loss or a move or a diagnosis. What about you? Are you walking through discouragement because of change? If depression is going to be dealt with and defeated, you got to see it for what it is. So do you see it? You need a little more help? How does it manifest in our lives? Is it just a feeling of sadness or could it be more? It's more. Maybe sleep issues. Like you just don't want to get out of bed. I heard about this guy that his mom came in. I've told you this, but i got to tell you again. Mom came in one day, and she said, you you got to 
get up and go to church. He just pulled the covers over his head. He said, I don't want to go to church. She said, you, you got to go to church. She said, why? She said, it's the right thing to do. He said, I'm going to tell you why I don't want to go to church. Those people there, they don't like me. And he pulled the covers over her head again. She, she said, that's not a good reason. He said, let me give you another reason. I don't like those people. He pulled the covers over her head. She said, that's not a good reason. He said, give me one good reason I should go to church. She said, because you're the pastor. Sometimes you just don't feel like it. There's sleep issues. Or, or you can't sleep. There's apathy. You just don't care. Your appetite changes. That can go two different ways, right? You don't feel like eating. You begin to lose weight. You really feel like eating all the time. You gain weight. There's intimacy challenges. You love your spouse. There's everything in you to try to be intimate. And then there's physical problems. I think it manifests in back pain often, according to doctors. It manifests in head pain, headaches. And then like the psalmist says, there's social isolation. You begin to look at everybody else kind of suspiciously, so you say, stand back, Jack. I don't really want to be around anybody. Hey, and this is a problem, by the way, because as I've mentioned, you were created for what? Relationship, for fellowship. Fellowship with God and fellowship with others. Why? Because God knows that when we isolate, we are vulnerable. On that safari, I saw this zebra. And um, man, what a creature. Pretty cool looking creature. And uh, as, as you look at the zebra, you would think, man, that zebra's at peace. And he was. He was just grazing and enjoying his meal. What you can't see in that picture is something that we saw. And we stopped for about 20 minutes in the Jeep and watched. Because watching that zebra along with us was a lion. And the lion saw one thing. A striped buffet. And the lion had recognized that that one zebra had gotten away from all the other zebras. And because it was isolated, listen church, it was vulnerable. And the same thing happens with us. I want you to understand you were created for a relationship. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's vital that you understand that gathering with other believers is essential for your mental and emotional health. So I commend you for being here today. But I want you to recognize that it's no surprise that in a season where even those who follow after Christ were shut out of church for a lot of time and a lot of churches hesitated to gather together and many more still stayed away from church for a longer time, it's no surprise that depression has been on the rise. That isolation hurts us. Scripture tells us that there's a, a lion, or one who thinks he's a lion. He's roaming to and fro. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't isolate yourself. Last, another symptom is just emotional instability. Maybe it's always weepy. 
for men, can I tell you, for men, you just get really angry. So your fuse is really short. Your temper is high and hot. Snap back. So what do you do? Well, much like we talked about in addiction, you have to confront the problem, right? You're not going to get any better if you don't recognize there's an issue. And this in itself is a problem because the world I've grown up in does not like to talk about this. And especially in the church. Because in the church, people would tell you things like, you just need to love Jesus more. You just need to push through it. You just need to look around and see how good it is. And while all those things may be true, the reality is sometimes that's not enough. So how do you confront it? Well, first you understand that emotional, emotions are real. They are valid, but they're not permanent. Did you hear that? Your emotions are, are, are real. They're valid, but they're not permanent. So how we feel, that doesn't determine how we live. What we believe does determine how we live. Dr. Keith Ablow says, depression is the grand imposter. Its posing is all-powerful. It can be defeated every time if you or the person you care about confronts it like the grand imposter it is. So what does the downcast psalmist do about his soul? Look again at these first verses. You're going to recognize this first part because a lot of us used to sing this in a song. As the deer pants for streams of water... So my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? So what does he do as he's downcast? He just wants to be around God. He longs for God. That word panting, I'm told that a deer only pants on a few occasions. If a deer is fighting another deer, you will find a panting deer. If a deer is running after a doe that it wants to mate with, you will find a panting deer. If a deer is trying to escape a predator, you will find a panting deer longing for nourishment. Likewise, in our life, when we walk through these things that impact us, it should cause us to long for God. When we face desperation and despair and depression... It should cause us to long to run to God. You're going to run to something. What are you running to? Are you running to some kind of substance, a pill or alcohol to dull the pain, to self-medicate? Are you running to a relationship that's not healthy? Again, because in a moment you feel good. Do you dull the mind with something like pornography? Are you running to food? I think in this psalm, we see three things that can help us, at least from a spiritual standpoint, when we face that dark night of the soul. So let me give those to you, then I want to illustrate it, and we'll be finished. Number one. Make a decision today to praise the Lord regardless of your circumstances. As I mentioned, the psalmist is focused on one thing, the Lord. His eyes are on the Lord. 
Do you understand that? That when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, everything else begins to pale in comparison. I love the old hymn we used to sing, Oh soul, are you weary and burdened? No light in the darkness you see. What does it tell us to do? Take a look at the Savior and everything else begins to grow dim. Charles Spurgeon says of this passage, ease he did not seek, honor he did not covet, but the enjoyment of communion with God was an urgent need of his soul. He viewed it not merely as the sweetest of all luxuries, but as an absolute necessity like water to a stag. The first response to weariness in our soul should be worship of our Savior. How do you do that? It's a decision. You determine to praise him. Yesterday morning, I was gathered with some of the saints as we do every Saturday, and we're praying for you. We prayed over the chairs. We prayed in this room. We were praying through Psalm 8. I want to give you one of the verses we prayed. Psalm 8, 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Now, what is that saying? Praise is so powerful that God uses it to create a stronghold over you to keep your enemies from you. Now, I told you, we're not going to give you just a simple formula, but I do believe what Scripture says. Praise is so powerful that when it comes even from the lips of a child, God uses it to put a boundary of protection around you that even the strongest foe can't defeat. So throughout this Psalms, the writer talks about his past praise of God. I remember how we used to do it. He talks about how he's praising God even in the storm. And then he talks about how he's going to continue to praise God no matter what comes. As simple as it may seem, that's what I'm going to ask you to begin to do. Sometimes all you can do is say, Jesus. Sometimes the situation is so tough that... You just need to say his name again, Jesus. Sometimes you find yourself and you're just thinking, all I can say is, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's all I know to do. Sometimes, though, God begins to stir in you and you have a song that's got to bubble out of your heart. And you just begin to sing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. See what it does in your life? It changes you. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Sing his name. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Now, here's why. Because everything else, kings and kingdoms, they will all pass away. But there's something about that. Would you just praise the name of Jesus today? Would you do that, church?
In verse 5 and verse 11, he says, I'm going to praise you. When, when we were in spiritual settings in Tanzania, uh, someone would stand up and they would give a greeting. And, and the first time they did that, a lot of us just sat there and, and we realized we were in trouble because they were expecting us to respond in turn. And they would say, Buana Safiwe. And they would expect us to say, Buana Safiwe. Raise your hand if you know Safiwe. I mean, it's Swahili. Okay, I didn't think so. So let me tell you what that means. It means praise the Lord. So they would say praise the Lord, and they would expect us to say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord. There's something about praising the name of God. And I know sometimes you don't feel like it. But as we've said, we're not guided by our feelings. We're guided by our beliefs. And I've learned that even in our moments of greatest need, God will put a song in our heart if our hearts are in tune with his. So praise the Lord regardless of your circumstances. Secondly, pray with expectation that God hears and cares and will answer. What is the psalm? It's a song. It's a song to who? Not a rhetorical question class. It's a song to who? It's a song to God. All of these psalms, that's what they are. The middle of your Bible, 150 of them. They're prayers. They're songs to God in prayer. But guess what? This is not like a Sunday school, kindergarten prayer. This is not God is great, God is good, let us thank him for the food. No, this is raw and real. It's God, where are you? Everybody says you don't exist anymore. I feel like I'm going to die. My soul is downcast. I don't even know how I'm going to make it through this. It's talking to yourself in such a way that you understand the importance of talking to God about your circumstance. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? So remember a few weeks ago we talked about taking our thoughts captive. So think about those thoughts that come into your mind in the morning. He says, you've not originated them, but they're talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who's talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. This man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing his self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are thou downcast, O my soul, he asked. His soul has been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I'll speak to you. Why are you downcast? My hope is in the Lord. You go to God in prayer. You tell him how you feel. He can handle it. He's not caught off guard by the circumstances or the changes in your life. I'm going to read this verse to you in a moment, but I want to remind you that it says... God is so good that even when you don't feel like praying, if you just think it, the Holy Spirit of God will begin to cry out on your behalf. Praise the Lord regardless of your circumstances. Pray with expectation that God hears, cares, and answers. And then number three, preach the gospel to yourself every day. We need to hang out here a second. Because a lot of you grew up in church and this is what you were taught. You need to ask Jesus to come into your heart so that he can forgive you of your sins and you can go to heaven. And that's true. But a lot of you stopped there. You stopped 
at that element with your salvation. That's not all the gospel is for. When Jesus died on the cross and when he rose from the grave, he did that not just so that you could have forgiveness. He did that so that you could have life. And as Jesus told us, he wants us to experience abundant life. And the only way we experience abundant life is when we go back to the gospel on a daily basis. This summer, Kimberly and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage by God's grace. But guess what? The only way we stay married is we preach the gospel to ourselves daily. We're two sinners that are saved by God's grace. We need that reminder on a regular basis. You're a Christian businessman or businesswoman or school teacher and you want to represent Christ where you are. The only way you're going to do that is preach the gospel to yourself daily because you're a sinner and you're going to blow it. And you're going to call somebody to look at you and go, you're a hypocrite. Do you get the picture? In every area of our life, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. So certainly that is true of our mental and emotional health. When those thoughts come into your life, you've got to remember that Jesus died to give you hope. Charles Spurgeon said, I found no better cure for my depression than to trust in the Lord with all my heart and to seek to realize afresh the power of the peace-speaking blood of Jesus and his infinite love in dying upon the cross to put away all my transgressions. Now, I want to illustrate this for you. This morning when I got up early, the first thing I did was do my Bible reading plan. I'm an undisciplined person. The only way I stay faithful is to have a plan and attack the plan. So my plan this year, again, is called the McShane plan. There's four passages of scripture every morning. I want you to see how fresh the word of God is. I knew that when I finished reading my Bible, I would finish with this message. This is one of the passages he sent me. Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Amen? Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Amen, church? Romans 8, 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 37, no, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm convinced neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demon, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation, nor depression, nor despair, nor the dark night of the soul will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the hope of the gospel. If you know the good news of the gospel, then you have a good word for depressing life. And that is that with Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there's always hope. So why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I've been blessed to travel all over the world. I've seen extreme poverty 
on different continents. I've seen the life of poverty in Haiti. I've seen it in the inner cities of South American cities. But this week I saw it in Tanzania. I'll never forget the long walk down the dirt road and then a path that led me deep into what could only be described as a settlement of mud buildings. And then I came across this beautiful lady that wanted to welcome us into her home. She and her husband and her four children, they live in this one room, all of them. There's no electricity, no water, do the math, that means no plumbing. We brought her a couple of bags of rice and you'd have thought we had told her she won the lottery. But we noticed that exuding from her was a joy. We're looking at her circumstance, her, her surrounding, her life. It, it didn't look like joy could be manifested in that setting. And so we ask her, what is making you smile? What, what is bringing joy to your life? And she said, it's because I've met Jesus. And Jesus changed everything for me. And it hit me. This woman, like so many around the world, has hardly anything. But she has Jesus. And she has joy. And I knew I was coming home. And I'd been hanging out in Psalm 42 in preparation for our time together. And I thought about how, regardless of your circumstance, compared to the rest of the world, we have everything. All of us are blessed. And a lot of us have Jesus. But many of us don't have joy. So I'm going to say to you one last time, why, oh soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. Let's praise Him together, our Savior and our God. Would you bow your head with me? We're going to end our time together a little differently today, and I would encourage you to stay with us until the very end. You don't want to miss any of this. But I first want to have a time of prayer, so it's going to require some courage and boldness on some of your parts. I, I've tried to be vulnerable so you know it's okay. I've tried to tell you the heroes of Scripture battled this, so you're not alone. But here's what I'm asking you. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, something you talk, talked about hit me. I, I'm battling this in some way. 
It could be any of those reasons and any of those symptoms, but Pastor, I'm battling that dark night of the soul. Would you pray for me? That's what I'm going to ask you to do. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, but just where you are, I'm going to ask you just to stand up. Just saying, Pastor, would you pray for me right now? That's right. No respecter of persons. All kinds of circumstances. Just like our last service all across this room, on all of our campuses. I'm going to give you just a moment more. This is that first step that's confronting it. Takes courage, doesn't it? you to remain standing I'm, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment now there are others of you you really aren't at this moment in your life struggling with that but someone you deeply love is maybe it's a spouse it's a child or a parent man one thing we didn't even get to talk about is when someone we love is walking through this it affects the circle it affects the tribe so if you've got someone, you would say, Pastor, while you're praying, would you just pray for this one I love? Would you just stand right where you are? So many of us. Give you just a moment more. I've got one more question. Oh, I've been praying for you. I walked to and from church yesterday praying for you and I walked around this room praying for you. If, if you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I don't yet know Jesus, but I know I need Jesus. Would you pray for me? If that's you, you know you need Jesus. Would you just stand right where you are right now? I know I need Jesus. Just stand where you are. Now let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are our hope. Lord, we don't, we don't stutter, we don't hesitate, we declare that with confidence. You are our hope, Jesus. So Lord, I pray for that person that's battling today the dark night of the soul. I pray that based on the authority that you have when you defeated death and sin on the cross of Calvary, I pray that today, and it even if it takes a supernatural move, that you would work in their hearts and minds, that you would allow them to begin to experience a peace that they've not experienced in recent days and to know that you are with them, that there will be a way out. Lord, I would pray that if there is additional help needed, if you want to work through a doctor or if you want to work through a counselor, Lord, I pray that you would not only give them openness to that, that you would begin to provide the way for that, whether that is financially or whether that's through a reference. Lord, that you would give them a willingness. But Lord, we would ask in Jesus' name that you would do everything that you desire to do spiritually and supernaturally in their life in this moment. Lord, may it feel like they're being surrounded by your presence and being personally comforted by your love. And Lord, now we pray for that for those who are loved by others that are standing. Lord, we know many of them are not in this room or maybe not hearing these words. But Lord, the person standing is dealing with the battles they face. That dark night is flooding over into their lives. Sometimes you feel helpless. You don't know what to do. Sometimes you realize it, but the person doesn't realize it. So Lord, I pray that wherever these individuals are on your planet, 
that right now your Holy Spirit would begin to work in their lives. You would begin to open them to the comfort and the peace that can come only through you, Jesus. And I ask that you do this in Jesus' name. And I pray for those who are standing that you'd give them wisdom and that you would give them peace and you would give them discernment and you would give them all that they need to help through this situation. And Lord, in confidence, I believe that there's someone who hears these words that knows they need you. So if you're that person and you need that relationship with Christ, I want to tell you that everything you need, he's made available because he died for your sin. That's the worst thing that could happen in your life is you experience the penalty of your sin. He rose from the dead to offer you forgiveness in life. So all you've got to do is tell him, hey, Jesus, I I recognize what you've done. I'm turning from my life of not depending on you, and I'm going to focus on you once and for all. And you can tell him that in your words. You don't have to have a pastor or a priest to go to God. But sometimes you need a little help, and you might just pray something like this. You might need to make this your prayer today. Just say, dear Jesus, I know I need you. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I believe you died for me. And I know you're alive today. So here I am. I resign as the boss of my life. From this moment on, it's all about you. I'm following you. Just tell him thank you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just say thank you. Thank you for our wonderful time together today in worship and the word. Thank you for your spirit, which is evident in this place. But thank you most of all, Jesus, that you've done everything we need in order for us to place our hope in you. Thank you for willingly going out of that garden and going on to the cross. Thank you for enduring the pain, the shame, the difficulty of death and ridicule so that we could have life. And thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood because we know that because of your shed blood, there is nothing that will defeat us. So thank you, Jesus. We worship you. Let's all of us stand together now. Let's worship him together. was a red